0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. wherever you are,
1: whatever time it is, welcome. this is just human episode number 256 and we are continuing with our view to the past and the Smirnov indictment. Uh, this may be the final episode. Um, I mean I'm still going to talk about the Smirnov indictment and cover it as it uh, as it develops and the case goes forward. But as far as digging into what it is and trying to factor in, Uh, the allegations within it and make them jive with other information we have. Some of it we've had for a very long time. Um, I think this will be the last episode. So got a lot of links lined up. Going to try to go through it and make this a two hour or less episode. Uh, Done a couple long ones recently. So thank you guys very much for all your support. Y'all are what make, make this possible. I love doing this work. I love doing this research and I love making these shows and um, I'm very happy to, you know, that this is my career now and it's you guys who make it possible through things like subscriptions uh, to my Substack, through ko-fi.com, buying me cups of coffee, through Benson Honey Farms and their delicious honey products and I got some placed right over here, uh, fr- through bootleg products, you guys buying salsa, seasonings, chilies over here. Manly cans, um, and my merch store, which I'm drinking out of one of my own mugs right now. Uh, this is the understanding is greater than reacting mug. This is definitely my, f- my favorite product of merch that I have. It is right here. And, um, if you like, if you would like a really good coffee cup, now, you know, I understand the selling point of it having my logo on it and it's saying understanding is greater than reacting. That's a great selling point, but the main primary selling point for this mug, I'm telling you, is that it's 15 ounces, it's microwave safe, it's dishwasher safe, and it keeps things hot or it keeps things cold, whichever temperature you put it in. I love this mug, and it's it's been through the dishwasher many, many times, and uh, it hasn't, none of the colors have faded on it, nothing, it's still the same, and my dishwasher is pretty excellent, so... Um this is a great mug. Now, if you're not interested in that, cofi.com is a great way to keep this mug full of coffee. Bentonhoneyfarms.com if you use the affiliate link and go over here and buy some honey or some soap or some candy, um then they'll kick a few dollars my way out of your purchase. Same thing with bootleg. Uh wonderful delicious products over here. I love everything I've had from them. Um make a purchase over here they kick a few dollars my way. Same thing with manly cans. If you've got a birthday or an anniversary or something coming up that you need a gift for a manly man. This is a great place to go to find a gift. So thank you guys very much for, uh, for supporting, uh, the show. Also, Substack is where the podcast is. If you don't know if you're interested in getting the podcast version of the show, it comes out before the video version. Uh, so if you're someone who likes to listen while you work and you don't really watch the screen that much, the podcast might be for you and you can get it on Substack and use the Substack app, or you can point it towards Apple podcast, Podbean, whatever app you like to use. Okay. Let me close all that out. Done promoting myself
0: for now. Let's start this off right. All right, let's start. This, let's set the tone
1: for it. I don't know how many of y'all actually find this as funny as I do, but I don't care. I, <laughs> this, is, this is my chance to introduce, the, to keep Formula One in my show, and I'm not going to miss the opportunity to have Formula One in my show. Gentlemen. And I feel like, I feel like uh, you know, the Smirnoff indictment, if you don't really get it, why I'm playing this, the Smirnoff indictment is the guy asking the question. These these drivers are all of us trying to figure out what in the world is this, because the Smirnov indictment is forcing us to ask difficult questions, and or to answer difficult questions, and to look at this really dense, complicated thing. And so that's why I, my mind is drawn to this press conference and this analogy here. It's like... It's an analogy for what we're going through. The reporter is the Smirnov indictment, and these guys are us.
2: Gentlemen, a short view back to the past. 30 years ago, Niki Lauda told us, take a drake monkey, place him into the cockpit, and he is able to drive the car. 30 years later, Sebastian told us I had to start my car like a computer, it's very complicated. And Nico Rosberg said uh, he pressed during the race, I don't remember what race, the wrong button on the wheel. Question for you two both, is Formula One driving today too complicated with 20 and more buttons on the wheel? Are you too much under effort, under pressure? Uh, What are your wishes for the future concerning the technical program um, during the race? Less buttons, more? Or less and more communication with your engineers? Can I ask you who that question is to? (laughs) Who
1: who do you want to answer it? Who is it to?
2: He said he said, was, he said he said he said oh sorry, I'll your myself, so. oh, sorry. He didn't listen can you repeat the question
1: <laughs> by the way uh all of these drivers here are multiple world champions except for one that's nico rosberg who's never won a race but has won Le Mans on his first attempt uh, attempt he got lucky but he also is very good he's just never had a great car to win a race with uh, Lewis has seven championships, Vettel has four championships, Alonzo has two championships, and then Jensen uh, has one championship, Nico here has one championship. Um, I personally believe that if Nico Rosberg had stayed in Formula One after he won, his cha- he won the championship and then retired after winning it uh, in 2016, and I mean, he was like age 31. Uh, age 30. He he could have continued, uh, but he stole it off of Lewis. And um, a lot of, I'm one, I'm somebody who believes that if Nico Rosberg had stayed in formula one, Lewis would probably be a three or four time champion and not a seven time champion. Cause Nico, Nico had the measure of Lewis, but he decided to go out on top. All right, back to what y'all really care about. So over here in the docket, um, there's been some more filing since we were last year, but, uh, we don't need to go into any of these documents. Really. What I wanted to show you is that now that, de- now that he's been detained and is going to main remain in custody until trial, this Nevada docket is basically done. Uh, it's all going to be happening on the California docket where the indictment is out of. And if you go, um,
0: actually hold on just a moment. Let me log into Pacer off screen and show you yes 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 okay so if you go to this docket over on pacer you can see
1: that in addition to we we read the the motion about uh sealing it and why uh special counsel wise why the doj wants this guy to remain in custody no bond until trial because he's there's such a high risk that he could escape. he would leave the country, and he has the means and the con- contacts and the money; like he he, know, he can do it. Um, but there are all these sealed exhibits. So, the the motion uh, that was filed to where is it? This one right here. Okay, application for review or reconsideration of the order setting his conditions of uh, detention. All right. So there were a few exhibits that were included here. Uh, they showed his contacts with Israel, his contacts with uh Russia. There was email. There were a bunch of uh FD something. I can't remember what the uh form is, but it's FBI forms for contact with the CHS. I don't remember what the number is, it's like 23A or something. But these showed um all these times where he had filed reports saying he met con he had made Contact with various Russian officials or Russian intelligence officers. And it was part of him doing work, and he had to file a report saying, Look, I made contact with these guys. So you guys are, so that he's making his handler aware of them. Okay. Along with those were these others. So a total of 11 exhibits were filed in order to justify keeping this guy behind bars until his trial. They let us see three of those exhibits, but the rest, um, the other eight, it would be, are sealed. Would love to know what's in those. All right, so he's being held until his trial, and his trial is set for April, I believe.
0: Uh, Let me find it. April something. Where is it at? Hmm. Jury trial set for
1: April 23rd, 2024. So, real quick, he's going to get a jury trial pretty quick, it seems. Now, this may change, of course. Uh, but at this time, it's set for April 23rd of this year. So I look forward to covering that trial um, and, and covering this docket. But we're not, we're not done with
0: it. Today is the day where we're going to Try and wrap things up,
1: and I'm gonna. I'm. There's a few rabbit trails we got to go down, uh, just a little bit, but it won't be. We won't be near as in the weeds as we have been uh, in the past couple shows. I want to remind everybody that there were news reports back in 2021 and before that DOJ was investigating whether Ukrainians interfered in the 2020 election, and the nexus point of that was Rudy. Or one of the nexuses was Rudy, okay, and we know that Rudy is an asset. We know that Rudy
0: <clears throat>
1: does work for DOJ, and he can't he catches swampy creatures and uh, various criminals, and has for decades and decades, and that's why the media is able to find all these crooked things Rudy's involved in, the crooked people he's making contact with, yeah, because he's doing a he's he's working as an asset. And so as part of that work, he has to make contact with uh, some nefarious people. Uh, the only way to catch swamp creatures is to go into the swamp and actually, you know, catch the swamp. creature. You got to wrestle the alligator, right? And that's what Rudy does. Also, keep in mind that Grassley has been a nexus point of all of this, where he was going after the FD-1023. He's been in contact with uh, Miklos Lochevsky's, says that Lochevsky has 17 recordings. Back up claims
0: uh, related to the Bidens and corruption in Ukraine. Johnson too, Johnson too, and remember that we've, you know,
1: we everybody was of one mind about all this stuff, and then suddenly, uh, this guy gets busted, and now the media are saying, oh, um ex-U.S. spies, like this one from Andrea Mitchell, ex-U.S. spies warned that the Hunter-Biden scandal had Russian fingerprints. They feel vindicated now, and they're doing a lap saying, see, we told you guys that it was all Russian disinfo. Hunter is just, you know, he's got some drug problems, and he's made some mistakes in his life, but he's not Joe's bagman, and the Bidens aren't corrupt, and you can't prove it. You're just peddling Russian disinformation like you always do.
0: But as Mike Davis points out, nothing that Smirnov
1: said, whether it's true or not, changes what the bank records show. Nothing that Smirnov says changes all of the SARs, uh, the suspicious activity reports, um, what the IRS whistleblowers brought forward, all of the documents, the hundreds, if not thousands, of pages of documents. Pointing towards some sort of corruption with involving the Bidens. Nothing was whether Smirnov is guilty or not, whether what he said was true or not, um, actually, whether it was Russian disinformation or not. Specifically, what he said, let's let's just go ahead and go with it. Let's say that Smirnov, everything he said, was given to him by Russian intelligence. And they meant for it to be disinformation to interfere in the 2020 election to try and help Trump win. OK. Let's say it's all, that's all true, that it was Russian disinfo. And that we never should that the 1023 form, what's in it, these claims that we've thought, hell, even the 17 recordings. Let's just for a moment go ahead and put it in place that all of those things are false and their Russian disinformation, and we never should have believed it, and now we know it's false, okay? Let's accept that right now. Changes nothing about what the IRS whistleblowers have brought forward, about the bank records, about the suspicious activity reports, the SARs. Um, It doesn't change any of that stuff.
0: The Hunter Biden laptop doesn't change any of that stuff. So... If you're somebody who has been fretful over this and said, Oh no, does this
1: mean that uh we were fooled? Or is special counsel Weiss like trying to cover for the Bidens or whatever? No, it does that doesn't even make sense because it doesn't change any of that stuff. We're only talking about one. See, they're trying to say it's the whole scandal here. The entire scandal has Russian fingerprints. Well, it kind of does. So does Russia gate that you guys peddled forever that was completely false. Because it was a literal Russian intel officer, um, Danchenko and Chuck Dolan and Christopher Steele and Oleg Deripaska and a bunch of other Russians who Hillary Clinton and the DNC made contact with and had them create a scandal. Russians and Ukrainians and Russian Ukrainians and Ukrainian-Russians. Uh, the media chooses which nationality, which
0: nationality to attach to the person depending on what angle they're trying to promote, right? So, let me see, before I read that one. Um, yeah, and here's Miranda Devine's
1: response to it. The joke's on NBC for pushing these absurd lies. The Biden campaign prompted Mike Morrell, former CIA, to concoct the dirty 51 letter falsely claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. It wasn't and still isn't. They are grasping at straws to try to justify their own election interference. Biden's Praetorian Guard, the media, is ever more desperate as they drown in evidence of corruption while blurbing what evidence there is no evidence. We can accept the Smirnov indictment as 100% true and justified by special counsel Weiss, and it does not change. Biden scandal. Fundamentally, it does not change it. It changes one tiny episode of it, one small portion of it. Um, in contrast, this is from Tristan Levitt, in contrast to the Russia collusion hoax which rested solely on the Steele dossier to paint Trump as a Putin patsy, evidence of Biden family corruption is comprehensive, diverse, and comes from their own mouths, text, emails and loyalist. So it's appalling to see the Biden corruption deniers manipulation of the Smirnov indictment to launch another Russia collusion hoax, promising the American public that the entirety, oops, the entire, I put my mic like this now, so I wouldn't bump it. And I've already bumped it like twice during the show. (laughs) Maybe, maybe my, this wasn't the right thing to do. Um, Promising the American public that the entirety of the Biden corruption scandal and Hunter Biden's legal problems is a Russian disinformation campaign designed to interfere in the 2024 presidential election, what Dilian, what Delanian, Delanian, and some other 50 former inter- intelligence officers were doing the month before the 2020 presidential election was deceiving the voters into believing the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. It wasn't. On the contrary, the laptop provided Americans with concrete evidence of the Biden family's corruption, which, had the FBI, intelligence community, and media not buried, would likely have cost Joe Biden the election. New info from Margot, from uh, Professor Cleveland, Margot Cleveland, who's awesome. Quote: Bill Barr confirmed to the Federalist that in assigning the Brady, assigning Brady, the task of screening material related to Ukraine. He had not authorized the use of a grand jury, but allowed for coordination with intelligence services, precisely as Brady testified. So there's all this hem-hawing about, well, some of this stuff went through the Pittsburgh office and PA, um, Pennsylvania FBI office, and they were looking at all, they, they made it a clearinghouse for these allegations about buying corruption. And Brady testified to the House that he didn't have grand jury powers. He was just there sorting it, ranking it like you know, it was a it was a filtering house for it and a collection point for it, not a full blown investigation with grand jury powers and all of that. Quote, coupled with the fact the FBI used the CHS for years and believed him to be a highly credible asset, the Pittsburgh U.S. Attorney's Office concluded that the 1023 had indicia of credibility sufficient to merit further investigation which is what Delaware, meaning Special Counsel Weiss, was told. And Brady testified to that. Rep. Nadler is lying to the American people about what the former U.S. attorney told the House Judiciary Committee. From Nadler's telling, one would think the FBI agents opposed further questioning of Smirnov because they suspected he was a Russian agent or was peddling Russian disinformation. However, the truth was the exact opposite. The FBI's reluctance Reluctance, as Brady told the House Judiciary Committee, stemmed from the fact that this was an important confidential human source who had provided information to them in the past that had been used in other investigations. So it was an important CHS to them, kind of just like Danchenko, just like Igor Danchenko. The FBI was being very protective of their CHS, just like Danchenko, and trying to protect him as a source so that they could continue to use him, just like Igor Danchenko. The idea that Brady, who actually prosecuted the GRU, was trying to launder foreign information is even more laughable given what he did with the FD-1023. He didn't leak it to the press, but instead provided it to Delaware, to U.S. Attorney David Weiss's office with the recommendation that it be further investigated. So, we, any claim that these allegations went to Pittsburgh and went to U S attorney's office in Pittsburgh and Brady killed it and it all died. There is incorrect. It literally got got shoved
0: over to David Weiss. Which brings a question up. What else did the Pittsburgh office send to David Weiss? This is Brady's uh, testimony to the House
1: Committee on the Judiciary. And what I wanted to do with it, it's 191 pages. We're not reading the whole thing. What I wanted to do to it or do with it was just skip to the mentions of Hunter, of which there are a few. So they're investigating Hunter. Confidential human source in a previous 1023, the one that Smirnov gave had identified an interaction with a Ukrainian national who discussed it wasn't the focus of that 1023 from several years prior but had made reference to Hunter Biden so because he made reference to Hunter Biden in that one 1023 from like 2017 i think it was that was that came up in this office's collection of information and they decided we need to understand this and so we said we need to understand what this is or is not So can you please re-interview him or her? Which they did, and that then resulted in the January 2020 1023. So there was that original report from like 2017 where Hunter Biden was mentioned in it. And then as the Pittsburgh office is doing this work to investigate some of these allegations about the Bidens in Ukraine, they come across that and decide we need to re-interview the CHS specifically about this. And that interview is where we get the twenty we get that the 1023, which supposedly is full of lies. Now I think this might be an error. That should say June 2020. Not January, but can you say when it occurred if you remembered? Yeah, so we identified the previous 1023 probably at the beginning of June, and then went back and forth with the FBI about reaching out to the CHS and doing a full interview, but it took a while. And when you say there was a back and forth, what do you mean by that? Was, the, was there pushback from the FBI? I would describe it generally. Mr. Brady, I think there was concern by the FBI about the sensitive nature of both the information and also the fact that this was an important confidential human source who had provided information to them in the past that had been used in other investigations. So it was an important CHS to them. Question, and when you say that the information was sensitive, what do you mean by that? Answer, certainly anything relating to Ukraine, Ukrainian nationals that intersected with Hunter Biden and his role serving on the Burisma board was sensitive, and certainly in 2020, months before an election cycle when different policies kick in for the department and FBI, meaning once they get within 90 days or so of the actual election day, they don't, they don't do anything with political, politically charged investigations because they don't want to be seen as interfering in an election. And was it sensitive because Hunter Biden's father was Joe Biden? Yes. And talking about the CHS a little bit, you said the CHS was important to the FBI. Did you get a sense of his credibility? The FBI has said that they had a pre-existing relationship with this source as well as they had been he had been used in multiple investigative matters including during the Obama administration. Are you aware of the public statements from the FBI? I'm not aware of those, but that's consistent with my understanding. The FBI also said that they've reviewed information that the CHS has provided and found him to be, quote, highly credible. Have you seen those in public? Answer, I have not, but that's consistent with my understanding. And can you tell us about the process that your office went through to vet the information that's now contained in the 1023? His lawyer advises him you can speak generally to that, but do not get into details. Mr. Brady, so we attempted to use open source material to check against what was stated in the 1023. We also interfaced with the CHS's handler about certain statements relating to travel and meetings to see if they were consistent with his or her understanding. So likely at this time, guys, Mr. Brady and his office started figuring out that there are things about this 1023 that didn't line up well. Did you determine if the information was consistent with the handler's understanding? Answer. What we were able to identify, we found that it was consistent. And so we felt that there there was sufficient indicia of credibility in this 1023 to pass it on to an office that had a predicated grand jury investigation. That would be weiss. And you determined that the CHS had traveled to different countries listed in the 1023? I would decline to answer that. And what did, after you corroborate some of the information that was obtained in the FD-1023, what did you do next? So we received this at the end of June. We did what we could do to corroborate certain things, and then that was a part of the briefing that we gave to, in this case, the District of Delaware. Weiss. So you passed it on to the District of Delaware, is that correct? We did, and confirmed that the FBI, and we we did not have physical possession of the 1023, though we saw it and reviewed it. We also then, after a briefing, confirmed that the FBI provided a copy of the 1023 to not only the Baltimore Field Office, which supported the District of Delaware, but also the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Delaware. And the FBI confirmed that they had done so at
0: our request. So, Baltimore. Uh, who
1: was the U.S. Attorney in Baltimore, guys, at that time?
0: Who was the U.S. attorney in Baltimore? Oh. But well, what do you know? What do you know?
1: It just so happens to be Special Counsel Robert K. Hur. He was the U.S. attorney of Maryland.
0: During this exact time frame, that that information was sent to Weiss in Delaware and his office in Baltimore. And so, regarding the 1023, when you were passing this
1: information along to the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, did you have communication with Mr. Weiss, the U.S. Attorney there? I did. And was that the first time you had spoken to Mr. Weiss? No, Mr. Weiss and I had spoken on a number of occasions. We also overlapped on AJC, so I knew Mr. Weiss well. But concerning this particular assignment by D.A.G. Rosen, relating to Ukraine, we had several conversations and interactions, both between David and me, and then between our respective teams that were running our our vetting vetting on our side, investigation on their side, relating to the sharing of information from you know January, let's say uh, the 10th of January through mid to late October, when we provided the final briefing. To the District of Delaware. And how would you describe those regular interactions that occurred between you and Weiss? They were on an as needed basis,
0: so you know, about every four weeks, six weeks. All right, let's see what else is mentioned about Hunter. Okay, let me drop this a little bit.
1: And at that point, you had an understanding that Mr. Weiss was looking into some of the matters in which you were looking into, as well as regarding the information that was coming into your office. Yes. And you said that you had some communication troubles with the FBI as well. Is that correct? That's correct. Was that a specific field office? We had, my knowledge is limited to the issues that we had with the Pittsburgh field office and by extension, FBI headquarters. And how would you characterize those problems that you were having? It was, a challenge, it was a challenging working relationship. I think there was reluctance on part of the FBI to really do any tasking related to our assignment from DAG Rosen and looking into allegations of Ukrainian corruption broadly, and then specifically anything that intersected with Hunter Biden and his role in Burisma. It was very challenging. And you said reluctant. Did you get a sense of why the FBI was reluctant to take any action? His attorney advises him. You can characterize that generally. Mr. Brady, I don't know why they were reluctant. I know that because of what they deemed to be the sensitive nature, and this was sensitive as it related to Mr. Biden, that there were a lot of steps of approval and a lot of eyes that had to look at things and sign off on any action that the special agents that were doing the day-to-day work and interacting with our team would take. It was my understanding that FBI headquarters had to sign off on every assignment, no matter how small or routine, before they could take action, which then just lengthened the amount of time, you know, between us asking them to do something and them actually performing it. And in your dealings with the FBI, was this level of sign-off regular that the special agent would have to get sign-off to take any little investigative action? Not in my experience. In my experience on most investigations, even sensitive investigations and or public corruption investigations, it was usually contained within the field office. So you would have special agents interacting with their immediate supervisor, the SSA, who would bring in maybe an ASAC um, on occasion or read in the SAC. Even something as simple as extending the ass- assessment that we talked about that requires a renewal every 30 days under the FBI DIOG. Normally, that, e- that either opening or renewal can be by at the SSA level. In this case, it
0: required 17 different people.
1: <laughs> mostly including at the headquarters level to sign off on it. Before the assessment could be extended. And so at different times, we were told by the special agents that they had to go, uh, they had to go pins down sometimes for two to three weeks at a time before they could re-engage and take additional steps because they were still waiting on again, someone within the 17 chain
0: sign off to approve. Question. And
1: had you ever seen a 17 person sign off required by the FBI? Never in my career. And you had to go to the DAG's office to kind of rectify some of this challenging relationship and the reluctance? Is that correct?
0: That's correct. Within the FBI specifically? Correct. It's fairly regular. I want to say
1: at least five or six times in a myriad of different issues that we have to go to that DAG's office for help. I'm going to leave it there because that's just a great Easter egg that I wanted to pull from his transcript for you guys. Now, he described difficulty with the FBI and how a bunch of people had to sign off on it. It's a very sensitive investigation. I have two reads on that. One read is that the FBI was trying to protect the Bidens. And didn't want to get into. uh, They were just, they were the swampy deep state trying to protect their deep state friends. That's the obvious uh, take on it. That's the, uh, probably the most popular take on it.
0: Um, So that's there. Doesn't really need more description. But my take is different. My take on it
1: is that. There are, there were, and there are, Vincent's honey, there were and there are many investigations into Ukraine, and many investigations into Hunter, and many investigations that involved Hunter, where he was either a witting or unwitting asset or source of information to that investigation and i think that by this time right here 2020 hunter had been flipped and so the intri- the reason he's sensitive isn't just because of his last name the reason he's sensitive or the fbi is considers him a sensitive subject and wanted and he had they had to go through all these steps to sign off on even the smallest task related to him is because he's a highly valuable asset and they are trying to protect that asset from being uncovered as an asset. Kind of like President Trump. Kind of like the Trump Organization. Who they, that, th- This has been a similar description that can be found in regards to Trump. The left, you go and read left-wing media, Mother Jones, Daily Dot, New York Times, WAPO, uh go read what they have to say about the FBI protecting Trump. And they don't have the same opinion we do because they see it from a different angle and their angle is actually more accurate in that one respect. That there's a lot of protection
0: of Trump because he is also a highly valuable asset. I think the difference between the two are that Trump didn't have to be flipped.
1: Um, He's continuing a family tradition, possibly, of being an FBI asset. And uh, Hunter got flipped into it.
0: Now, how much time did that take? Okay, good, 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 good. Now we're going to go on a rabbit trail. Okay, we're
1: going to go on a bit of a rabbit trail because I, I think it's worth mentioning. I've covered some of this before, but I think it's worth going here Um, because I think there's a connection to the Smirnov case and I'm not sure how strong the connection is, but there's just way too much similarity. Um, and I also think that we're going to see an indictment of this FBI agent. So, um, let me get these opened real quick. I think I have them in the order I want to have them in. Um, but there's a, there's a we're going to go through this web over here and it, it gets pretty deep statey. So you guys may remember that um, an FBI agent turned whistleblower says that the FBI is protecting Giuliani and refusing to investigate his ties to Russian operatives. Remember what I said about Rudy remember doing? He's an asset. Remember what I said about Hunter? He's an asset. Remember what I said about Trump? He's an asset. So of course here you have this, this allegation, they're protecting Rudy, just like they're protecting Hunter, protecting Trump, because they're assets. But this FBI agent is unaware of them being assets, and so he he's decided to be a whistleblower. And you guys may remember me covering this on the show. He went back last July. He appeared in a Senate Judiciary hearing and gave a 22-page statement that made a bunch of allegations about Rudy. According to this, this is Jonathan Buma, who is an FBI agent out of L.A. He said, according to Buma's account, Giuliani was used as an asset by a Ukrainian oligarch tied to Russian intelligence and other Russian operatives for a disinformation operation that aimed to discredit Joe Biden and boost Trump in the presidential race. Man. Who could he be talking about? Who could this guy be talking about?
0: Hmm. Huh. Could it be Dirk Hatch? You know it is. Who's been sanctioned? Who's been indicted? And we read that on the first episode of this, of this series.
1: Moreover, Buma says he was the target of retaliation within the Bureau for digging into this. The FBI has declined to comment on Booma's claims. Buma's revelations may only be the start. A source familiar with his work tells Mother Jones that other potential FBI whistleblowers who participated in the investigation involving Giuliani have consulted the same lawyer as Booma and might meet with congressional investigators in the coming weeks. That attorney is Scott Horton. Giuliani, I've seen that name come up in other places. I'm going to remember that. Put a pen in that name. Giuliani faces a heap of legal and financial problems, including those felony charges in Georgia. He is also under an, un, he's also an uncharged co-conspirator in the federal case against Trump uh, in D.C. He has been sued by a former assistant for rape. Yeah, right. And apparently Trump was not helped him. Trump is not helping him cover his legal bills. Though so the former president did agree to headline a fundraiser, fundraiser for Giuliani. Still, Buma's statement suggests that Giuliani has been lucky to avoid deeper trouble over his attempt during the 2020 race to deploy made-in-Ukraine disinformation to sully Joe Biden. It is widely known that Giuliani tried mightily to unearth and disseminate dirt on Biden in Ukraine, particularly regarding the unfounded allegation that as Vice President Biden squashed an investigation of Burisma. This smear campaign led to Trump's first impeachment and resulted in a federal investigation into whether Giuliani violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Prosecutors ended that probe last year. But Buma's allegations that FBI and Justice Department officials blocked his efforts to investigate these Giuliani activities and the work of suspected Russian agents, who may have influenced the former New York City mayor, could spark a new dust-up on Capitol Hill as Republicans keep trying to gin up a controversy over the Biden's charisma and other matters. Buma's statement reinforces the case that this supposed Biden-Ukraine scandal was egged on or orchestrated by Russian intelligence. And it contradicts the narrative pushed by Trump and his defenders that the FBI and Justice Department have been in cahoots with the Democrats. Giuliani's role in, in Trump's coup attempt and his string of public humiliations may overshadow the Ukrainian chapter in Giuliani's downfall. But according to Buma and various U.S. intelligence findings, Giuliani apparently was a dupe, a useful idiot, or suspected Russian operatives and
0: propagandist. And the Bureau, Buma says, investigated this until it didn't. Then he goes into uh, Giuliani's relationship
1: with Pavel Fuchs, who have I have covered on this show, who was indicted. Giuliani gathered evidence on him. He's also going to meet, mention Lev Parnes. Probably someone else that Giuliani gathered dirt on. Uh, 2021, oh, there's Telezinco. Let's see, let's see. Giuliani had previously asserted that his work for Fuchs ended before he joined Trump's legal team in April 2018, and Fuchs' spokesperson also says that Fuchs' dealings with Giuliani, she, Giuliani finished in 2018. I'm saying Fuchs. It may actually be fucks, but I've been getting in trouble for saying cuss words. But you know, I can't resist this. I can't resist this, guys.
0: So some people have been complaining. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rabbit trail. Sorry. Just let me in, indulge me for a minute, okay? This right here makes my point. This makes the
1: point that I made on Defected in the first hour about profanity and how mouth noises aren't what makes it profane. It's the meaning and intention behind it that make a word profane. It is not the combination of letters, it is not the sounds they make as they exit your mouth. It is the intention. It is the meaning you assign to them and the way that you use them that make them profane. And this is a clear example of it, where we have a word that if pronounced just normally is profane.
0: It's regarded as a swear word, but it's this person's name. So obviously it's not profane. Obviously it's not a swear word. Makes my point. All right. Anyway. But Fuchs may have maintained a, an
1: in, indirect, indirect connection to Giuliani by hiring in 2019 Andrei Telezinko, a former low-level Ukrainian diplomatic official, to mount a public retaliation effort for him in the United States. Buma says that a source told him that Fuchs retained Telezinko to help him, quote, establish contacts with U.S. politicians. Telezinko went on to work with Giuliani, feeding him information on the Bidens. Telezinko, in a recent interview with Mother Jones, maintained that his work for Fuchs and his contacts with Giuliani were unrelated, but Telezinko's interactions with Giuliani raised serious questions about whether his Trump advisor, wittingly or not, this Trump advisor, played a part. In 2021, the Treasury Department sanctioned Telezinko for promoting Russian disinformation narratives that U.S. government officials have engaged in corrupt dealings in Ukraine. Telezinko denies advancing disinformation or aiding Russia. He says the sanctions resulted from an FBI informant
0: making false claims about him. Who would that FBI informant be? Then right here, we get into Andrei Durkach. So
1: let's see if there's any other thing I want to mention here. Buma reveals in his statement that he also probed whether Russian operatives or assets were involved in a 2020 Giuliani effort to make a film about Hunter Biden's business activities in Ukraine and elsewhere. Okay. So this guy has a lot of claims about Giuliani. This is, I've gone over some of this stuff on this show before. Um, He testified last July, July 15th, 2023. We're not going to read through all that. Oops, sorry. Um, This is Jonathan Buma. I just want to, this is only a couple minutes, and I just want to give you guys a sense of what this guy looks and sounds like so you can kind of get a
3: read on him. I wanted nothing to do with it. I was at my wit's end. I, I saw important intelligence reporting being suppressed. I started to experience what I believe to be discrimination, character assassination, really. My name is Jonathan Buma, and I'm a FBI special agent. When I went and presented to the assistant director in charge over at Los Angeles field office, he, he was very interested in the allegations concerning potentially implicating the Bidens and you know, involved in business deals with Burisma, the company that was involved in alleged criminal activity, he's very interested and he was adamant about uh, packaging that information up and transferring that to the appropriate case agent uh, right away. But during the same meeting, when I attempted to provide information that Rudy Giuliani may have been compromised by individuals suspected of being involved in Russian counterintelligence influence operations, he shut me down and the meeting ended. I came to know that Giuliani had received $300,000 from Pavlo Fuchs, a very powerful businessman who had deep ties with a transnational organized crime syndicate. He was based in Ukraine. And that was was deeply concerning to me, especially, you know, having heard that Giuliani had been working for the president pro bono my questions that were going through my head were, um, who does he really work for? I wasn't trying to you know, implicate Trump or do anything that would you know, injure his reputation. This reporting implicates Giuliani. Um, he was the one that was in ongoing contact with foreign nationals and you know, political uh, activists that would receive hundreds of thousands of dollars from these sources. And at that time, Joe Biden was not yet the uh, democratic nominee. I, I said to my, my co-handling agent, I said to him, why do they keep going back to the Bidens? So what if this is the leading edge of a disinformation campaign to create a theme uh, of uh, derogatory information about the Bidens in anticipation that Biden would be Trump's main political rival? And I started to experience pushback. All of my reporting came under really tight scrutiny to the point where I went from and getting exceptional performance awards, to um, you know being told that I was an inconsistent performer and that I had all these administrative—I uh, don't have a history of that. The 13 years before that, so it got to the point where it was pretty intolerable. So I filed a whistleblower complaint. All FBI agents get annual training concerning the um, the protected federal whistleblower statute, uh, which says that if you see misconduct in management, then it, you can. Follow us over a complaint with the inspection division. The managers involved in your chain of command are prohibited from committing any acts that could be considered reprisal or retaliation. From that point forward, uh, the retaliation actually increased, and I experienced no such protection. And there's never any mention or acknowledgement outside of an automated email response saying, We received your information, uh, and a letter that said, We received your information, but nothing no interviews, no anything. And an email was sent with a brand new supervisor that specifically prohibited me from doing any more reporting on criminal matters, public corruption matters, or reporting on anyone related to the White House or any current or former associates of Trump. And now I started to experience personal attacks, not only suppression of the reporting, it, it, my reporting was corroborated already at that point. So if you can't undercut the reporting, you undercut the person. So that's what I was experiencing at that point. And I was moved to a squad where I couldn't work sources. I was sent to basically the Alaska of LA, and it put into a position where it would be physically impossible for me to do any more source reporting. I was never trying to drive the political process in one way or the other. I was only trying to make sure that everybody had all of the information, both sides, uh, so that people could make intelligent decisions about what they want to do. Policymakers or voters or whatever. What Chairman Jordan's investigation is alleging is that the FBI as a whole is an arm of the anti Trump agenda. And this is simply not true. There is this allegation out there that the FBI slow played the intake of information and their diligent effort to investigate Burisma and the Bidens. What I saw going on with some of these these hearings was they weren't getting the full story. And I wrote up a statement, went to his office, and and, and I told him, quite honestly, guys, here's what happened. I think the management uh, cared a lot about it, and they wanted a special briefing about it. What needs to be said here is, I later started reporting on Giuliani, and um, I really started to experience some suppression. And at that point, they shut me down, and they said, no, 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 we're we're only interested in things related specifically to Biden. I, I don't think it's a legitimate investigation. The reason why I came forward is number one, I don't want any other FBI agent to ever have to go through what I've gone through, and having their their right of protection under the statute completely blatantly violated. Um, number two, I want to restore the integrity of the FBI so that people have trust and faith in it. Because if it's gone, public corruption will become rampant, and we will uh, things will go to hell in a handbasket in this country real fast, faster than people think. If the very agency gets charged with holding our public officials and the most powerful people in the world accountable, can't hold its own self accountable and becomes corrupt itself, then uh, this country, things can get bad real fast. You know? agree like with that. fascist state. If they want to figuratively slaughter me by firing me, they can do that, but I have no intention of leaving. I'm going to show up for work. I'm going to continue to show up for work in the hope of getting a good paycheck like any other American really wants.
1: Okay, so listen to what he says. I think you can have a read on it where you can just take him at face value and believe him uh, because you can. I can at least picture where he's going down this trail, this investigative trail, and runs into locked doors and higher-ups tell him, back off. No, not interested in this. Stop. And, uh, it's because Giuliani was doing is, is protected, um, because he's an asset, but this guy doesn't know that. And so he's, he feels like it's corrupt. Pardon me. And then just from some of the comments he made there, like that show up to work comment. And then knowing him saying that he was basically reprimanded, sent to the Alaska of his office. Um, which Alaska is awesome. I would love to go to Alaska. Somebody send me to Alaska, please. <laughs> but we know what he means. Um, that might be because they were trying to get him off of it and he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop trying to go down this trail, even though he had been warned off of it, which might be a reason why, why some disciplinary action, um, or maybe not disciplinary. Didn't, I don't think he really said disciplinary, but um, ran to roadblocks and I don't, Anyway, so you can just kind of see that angle to it also. Um, So Business Insider had this. Again, I covered this back at the time. Also, Jonathan Buma is the guy who recruited Peter Thiel and had Peter Thiel. He was the handling agent for Peter Thiel, who's a source. And Peter Thiel is, of course, an ally of Trump. He says he was punished for sharing this information about Rudy. Um, let's see. His punishment was a change of assignment. I don't think he was actually reprimanded, right? Okay. So, but then what happened? What happened to Jonathan Buma? Oh. He got raided. So that was back in July. Did this media, intervie- inter- media stuff and um, gave that... Appeared before Jordan's committee and gave testimony and all of that. Months later, he's raided. This was November 14th. The testimony was on July 22nd, 2023. FBI raid was on November 14th, 2023. Federal agents on Monday raided the Los Angeles area home of an FBI whistleblower who has alleged that Bureau higher-ups thwarted an investigation of Rudy Giuliani, two sources said. The whistleblower, FBI agent Jonathan Buma, has said that Giuliani, quote, may have been compromised by Russian intelligence while working as a lawyer for Trump. Scott Horton, an attorney representing Buma, said that Buma was presented with a search warrant when he went into the Bureau's Orange County, California field office on Monday. Agents searched Buma's person, after which a large group of agents over more than six hours searched his residence, confiscating all the digital media in the home including computers and watches of his wife and four children. A search warrant reviewed by Mother Jones said the agents were looking for evidence that Buma had violated laws against unauthorized removal of classified documents and unauthorized removal of national defense documents. Horton said his attorney said that the search turned up no classified material, and the agents seized only Buma's own whistleblower complaint, which it's, is not classified. The raid, quote, is designed to be in retaliation for the whistleblower complaints, Horton claims. It's very heavy harassment. Buma has been shunned and attacked by fellow agents, Horton said. And in a recent weeks, somebody put large plastic rats three to four feet long next to Buma's FBI cubicle. Buma has filed statements with congressional investigators, blah, blah, blah. Recent news reports have revealed the billionaire tech investor Peter Thiel and Charles Johnson, a one-time Thiel associate and prominent far-right-wing agitator, have previously acted as confidential informants for Buma. Horton said he believed the office of FBI Director Christopher Wray was targeting Buma and
0: other FBI whistleblowers. And now we have a twist. This person
1: is an asshat, and this person had claims they're responsible for the raid. I was the one that reported rogue FBI agent Jonathan Buma to the FBI leading to the FBI raid, said Everett Stern. We wanted, he wanted me to do something highly illegal. Even though I am against Trump, I cannot do anything illegal or go against the United States government, specifically the FBI. This guy was if you don't if you don't remember this guy was a senate candidate in Pennsylvania,
0: I believe. Let's see did it stack this correctly? Okay, here we go. He
1: deleted these posts and then right here he's texting Jonathan for a time to speak. It says Jonathan right there. Anytime, four p.m. today. What time works for you? Just seven, seven thirty. Perfect. Thank you. So he's establishing he did have contact with them. Uh, he posted that he was going to be releasing what he was supposed, what he was going to be doing, but I never found anywhere where he said, um,
0: where he said what it was that he was asked to do. I looked and looked, but I never saw
1: where he... And maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it, but I never saw where he said uh, what he was going to do. Or if I ever found it, I've totally forgotten it, Uh, which is possible. I believe FBI... This is two days later, he posted. I believe FBI agent Buma that there are certain FBI agents loyal to Trump and Flynn. There is no question McGonagall caused me severe damage as my POC. My Flynn intel was compromised and suppressed by the FBI. I had to go to the right FBI agents about Buma. I had no choice. So he's saying, from this guy's twisted worldview, McGonagall
0: was helping protect Trump and Flynn. And then here's another note. Uh, This is an email. Hi,
1: SAC. Critical intel. Do not put in system. I am going to be in redacted, redacted, redacted. I have been in contact with Jonathan Buma. I tried reporting through a traditional means, but it got back to Buma. He sent me a message on Signal the second it was input into the system. This is very serious because I cannot get burned. Buma is planning and is currently conducting off-the-books operations against the FBI while still being employed. He wants my help to manipulate the media and pressure the DOJ. He is providing me lead, leads based in Dell, and wants me to parallel reconstruction and then release a, to various media contacts. So he wants to feed information to Stern, who is then going to do it on his own in parallel with Buma pushing it up the chain, I guess. He says he is fighting for democracy, but it is really money. He also wants me to report to Treasury to get rewards. I have already been given targets. I have to speak to trusted agents about this. What he is doing is illegal and I will have no part in this. I am trying to help and protect the FBI. He mentioned the Russians numerous times. You have a real insider threat. I must show an agent the signal messages I have. The FBI has to see this as it will protect sources and critical classified FBI investigations. Please do not put this in the system because Buma can see it. Again, he already said the chief counsel of the L.A. field office is coming down on him. Buma Buma does not know it is me, and it needs to stay that way. I am giving a sincere and honest warning to the FBI that you have a major internal threat. Redacted, redacted. I am also available today to show an agent in the redacted. um, it's It's a field office that he got rid of. Please allow me to, to protect and help the FBI, signed Everett Stern. So that's what he was asking him to do, I guess. Um, th- he posted this two days later. Now, why he outed himself as the person who reported Buma, when here he's saying that, uh, this, is, this email is from September 11th, 2023, here he's saying that he doesn't want Buma to know it's him. So I don't know why he burned himself but maybe just for internet clout. Notice it has two likes. Okay, he did end up posting it on that same thread. It just got broken. Look
0: at this. It has two hearts, two. That might be because this guy is a bit of a crank. He's being sued by General Flynn because he is coming after Flynn
1: and making all sorts of crazy allegations against him. And he is also counter suing General Flynn. So I am not holding up Everett Stern as anyone worthy of praise at all. And I don't know how true it is with this Boomer thing. Um, but if he's telling the truth about this, It does make sense. It's easy to picture Buma after just that seven-minute interview. It's, you can, at least I can, I can picture him running a parallel investigation after having the door shut in his face and then trying to figure out a way to have what he's investigating blow up in the media first and then that gif that put the FBI under pressure and then he goes with his. I think it was an op. I could totally picture him constructing an op to accomplish this kind of thing. Um, but we'll see. I'm wondering if Buma, Jonathan Booma, is going to catch an indictment. I haven't seen anything about it that he is, but um, I doubt that the FBI raided him without... without and, and didn't find anything. I think it's way, way, way more likely that the FBI had strong information that there was going to be uh, Nash, classified documents or national defense information present and they went in there and got it. Um, and we'll see if he catches a charge soon. We'll watch for that.
0: Now, I'm going to close all these tabs to the right. And we have
1: our final piece of information. Here is where I'm going to tie. Well, actually, it's not going to be just me. It's, uh, it's going to be my friend Dawson S. Field who is going to tie together this Smirnov indictment in a way that I think puts a nice bow on it, a way that makes it make a lot of sense. And I specifically saved this for last because I wanted to go down all these other trails. Um, I wanted to take, these, take you guys through all these other stuff and see, show you that really we've been hearing about the allegations in that 1023 form for four years now. We've been hearing about those allegations. And for four years now, we've been hearing about DOJ, FBI, looking into allegations of Russian collusion, Russian disinformation coming out of Ukraine, Giuliani, Trump getting dirt on the Bidens coming out of Ukraine, all of this. this, So none of this is really new. We've heard about it generally. Now we have a lot of specifics, and now we know or at least according to the Smirnov indictment from special counsel Wise, that what's in that 1023
0: form is false. So if you like this series and
1: you've enjoyed me going into this with such detail, then make sure and give me a follow on my socials and think about visiting my support links and uh, supporting me in that way if you can. And also hit the thumbs up on Rumble and share the show. I appreciate it. Now, Dawson S. Field has a fantastic thread on, on Buma. I mean, on, on the Smirnov indictment, which I forgot to like. And I'm going to read it now. FBI source Alexander Smirnov, who fabricated biden barisma claims, is indicted. Can the GOP find a single whistleblower that isn't a criminal? Have you noticed how many of them are? Are you guys ready for Tony
0: Bobulinski to be indicted? 100% it's coming. 100%. You can bet on it. That doesn't mean that everything Bobulinski is saying is a lie. But...
1: I don't think he's on the up and up. I think he's doing a lot of CYA. I think he's doing a lot of CYA to give a lot gain a lot to try and change his uh his uh, the impression the impression the public has of him because he knows that it's all going to catch up to him just like it caught up with Devin Archer. I think there's a number of Biden associates, Hunter Biden associates, who are going to end up catching charges. Can't wait to find out who he was working for to feed FBI false Oppo research in 2020, meaning Smirnov. So in June 2020, Smirnov, we're going through the indictment again, basically, but with Dawson's commentary. That's what we're doing now. Let's go back to the indictment. So in June 2020, Smirnov provides his FBI handler false information to trigger an FBI investigation of a presidential candidate. Sounds just like Christopher Steele in June 2016 providing his FBI handler false information to trigger an FBI investigation of a different presidential candidate, right?
0: Right? Smirnov used the same oppo research
1: script as Steele, who lied to the FBI to transform Trump's routine business contacts with Russians into false allegations against the presumptive nominee of one of the two major political parties after expressing his bias against Trump and his candidacy. I put the word routine in single quotes because Trump's contacts were routine for him, but not really routine. Trump's contacts with Russians were part of a U.S. covert operation to stop nuclear weapons proliferation to North Korea, Iran, and others from Russia. And Dawson has a fantastic thread on that from last November. If you've never read it, you definitely should. So, before making up the story about Biden taking bribes, Smirnov expressed clear bias against Biden and repeated fake news about Biden. Want to bet Smirnov was working for
0: the same people who fabricated the tapes? That's right. Dawson contends that
1: some of these tapes that have been presented to us, namely that really famous Poroshenko Biden
0: tape, has been edited. find out. I guess my best guess is
1: that Smirnov was working for Ukrainian oligarch and politician Andrei Durkach. Yep. Who Trump sanctioned for fabricating the evidence against Biden. He likely fabricated the evidence against
0: others, including Trump. There's the sanctions right there. We read about that in the first episode of this.
1: In 2019 to 2020, Dirk led an effort to frame the Bidens, but framed Trump and Rudy for framing the Biden. Do you see how that works? Dirk engineered the impeachment of Trump for pushing an investigation of Biden. But what Trump wanted was the oligarch framing Trump investigated, and that's what he got. So
0: this is the spy v. spy world. catch and others wanted to frame
1: Biden and feed disinformation on Biden to Trump's camp. Not because they wanted Trump to win the presidency in 2020, but because they wanted to frame Trump with false information about the Bidens, which triggered the impeachment. It was all a setup. To try and get an impeachment and to try and frame Trump. When Trump asked Zelensky, when Trump asked Zelensky to investigate uh, things happening in Ukraine, it triggered that investigation because they wanted to spin it as he was telling Zelensky to find dirt on the Bidens for him. What he was really saying was figure out who is feeding my camp disinformation and misinformation about the Bidens trying to influence the elections here. Perfect phone call. Smirnov tried to convince the FBI that Biden was going to jail based on falsified recordings, recordings a Trump admin attributed to Durkatch's network. The FBI handler knew it was fake news, though. Remember those tech
0: mes- text messages I read you? Durkach is the one, remember, that came out with that video.
1: With they, when they went over those allegations, that press conference came from Durkach, and then you have Smirnov uh, peddling the same allegations to his handler. The Trump admin sanctioned Durkatch for framing Biden. Durkatch had no idea that Rudy was working for DOJ to investigate who was framing Biden, not investigate the Bidens. He was not collecting evidence of Biden's
0: guilt. He was collecting evidence to prove who framed Biden and Trump. I wonder if any of the Senate Republicans who issued that subpoena
1: were part of the oppo research campaign against Biden. Now Dawson isn't that big of a fan of Johnson and Grassley. I am. Uh, but I th- oops, I think, I think, uh, those guys, I think they're doing work. I think they're doing exactly. I think Johnson and Grassley are doing exactly what Trump wants them to do. And, um, that, I can totally understand Dawson's take on it, but I think that those Republicans are actually doing what Trump wants them to do, highlighting these things and then watching them get busted to pieces. This is interesting. DOJ says that this is not a picture of Joe and Hunter Biden with the CEO of Burisma. Of course, is it Photoshop or is there, did someone misidentify the golfing partners to trick people into thinking it was a Burisma CEO? That's, that's what happened, that last part. They, in the original reporting, as we dug up on this, uh, the, in the original reporting, this person was misidentified as, uh, as uh, someone in, in Burisma. He's not in Burisma. He has nothing to do with Burisma. So U.S. Attorney's Investigation of Ukraine, with Rudy Giuliani as their CHS collecting evidence from the Ukrainians trying to frame Biden, identified Smirnov and his handler as having relevant information. That's the people in Pennsylvania. So in May and June 2020, Smirnov made up allegations from 2015 2016 that he didn't report in his 2017 interviews. Here's where it gets really interesting Smirnov's allegations also touch on another member of Burisma's board, the former president of Poland, Alexander Kwasniewski. Remember when I told you we read that name on the first day of the show, I think in part one. And I said, remember that name. Remember that. Put a pin in that. Now it's now we're here. Kwasniewski was a member of Manafort's Habsburg group that attempted to frame Obama and Biden for collusion. Remember, Paul Manafort was a plant in the Trump campaign on purpose. Trump had him in there on purpose as a nexus of corruption within his own campaign. And then he caught them all. And then Special Counsel Mueller came in and gathered all the evidence. It is likely not a coincidence that the 2020 false allegations about the Bidens were meant to lead back to a Manafort associate who was not indicted for their scheme to compromise Obama and Biden, which would have allowed this to be spun back at Trump. See the play here?
0: they using the same network to try and get people to try back to Manafort. During Manafort's campaign, Kwasniewski was in
1: charge of EU policy on Ukraine, but was secretly lobbying on behalf of Putin's puppet in Ukraine and feeding EU intel about Ukraine to
0: Manafort so he could provide it to Yanukovych. It's right there. If you don't understand why this is important, Kwanuski was behind the effort
1: to get Hunter Biden on Burisma's board. Kwasniewski, Manafort, and the Habsburg Group were funded by Victor
0: Pinchuk, the largest donor to the Clinton Foundation. Think about how many times I have said on this show that the dirt
1: on the on that that was coming out of Ukraine was meant for the Bidens originally. It got twisted up because Biden didn't run in 2016, and they readapted a lot of it against Trump.
0: It's basically, the same portfolio of dirt, just changed the names. Goes back to the Clintons. So,
1: how did a Clinton Foundation donor? And Ukrainian oligarch Viktor Pinchuk used Manafort and the Habsburg Group to lobby the U.S. government by hiring Tony Podesta and his GOP counterpart Vin Weber to lobby the swamp. Hillary's friends didn't want Biden running in 2016
0: or winning in 2020. Some of us have been tracking
1: the efforts to frame Trump, Obama, and Biden by Ukrainian friends of Hillary since 2018. Mueller provided us the evidence that Manafort and Gates tried to set up Obama and Biden before they tried to set up Trump. The leverage their illegal lobbying into getting VP Biden to make a call to Yanukovych in the fall of 2020, um, eventually reaching the Oval Office in 2013. People, including participants in the Russian hoax, or Russia hoax, like Franklin Foer, seemed generally confused when Mueller's investigation led away from Trump and towards the friends of Clintons who were paying Manafort. I wonder who within the swamp was lobbying the 2012 Obama-Biden campaign headquarters in Chicago using talking points from Paul Manafort. Would that be Tony Podesta, who was working for Manafort to lobby de- Democrats? It's a good bet. Anyone remember who SL was in the Manafort sentencing exhibits? I know Doug Schoen was running a lot of this. He was middleman between Pinchuk and Manafort. He worked for both Bill Clinton campaigns and then became a Fox News contributor. I've long said that the Biden's claim at CFR that he got shoken fired was bait to see who would try to fabricate evidence to show that it was real. Biden wasn't in Ukraine. The story is fake. Looks like Smirnov and his employers took that bait. Now, this is a moment for me personally, as far as what I make of Dawson's research, because da- I've seen Dawson express this many times, that the video, the famous video of CFR, the story Biden tells about the prosecutor, i getting it, the son of a bitch got fired. Dawson has long said that that is a fake story, that Biden was lying on purpose in order to bait out people who were trying to frame him, that his story doesn't make sense because he wasn't actually in Ukraine to do the things and say the things that are in that story. The story itself is false. But everybody buys into it and it's been repeated so many times, people just believe it. That he's telling a true story. And I've always wondered like, Dawson says it's fake. I'm like, why is he, how is it fake? And why would he say that? Now, with the Smirnov indictment, it makes perfect sense. So I know this is kind of a, this is like a, this is a bender, this is a, a breaker of your, your worldview on this specific area. Um, But that's why when we started this series, I said, hey, just set everything aside. Just just set aside what you think you know and what you believe. Take this as it is, and then we're going to rebuild everything towards the end. And this is what we're doing now. And see if we can make everything fit. And I think what Dawson is laying out fits best. It makes a lot of sense. If Hillary Clinton and them were trying to frame Biden, and Biden knew that, then him telling that story at CFR was genius-level bait to get the people that were trying to frame him and dig up dirt on him and his son to construct that dirt based off of that wild story he told. It makes a lot of sense. He just made stuff up in the spring and summer of 2020 to create a fake dossier on a presidential candidate, Biden, alleging corruption and collusion. Seems like I've heard this story before. Yep. It's just like with Trump, guys. Seems Smirnoff's business partner was a cryptocurrency founder. Does anyone know who? I'm not sure if any. Let me see if anybody commented who it is because I bet Nim Kef might have sniffed it out, but I'm
0: not sure if anybody else has. Uh, Let's see. Over my double check uh, No. Uh, here we go. Where we go? Okay. Smirnov speaks Russian. His crypto
1: bro pal does not. Seems their real interest was in getting Burisma to fund their new crypto coin they wanted to create. Smirnov tried to convince FBI that meetings which occurred in September 2017 actually happened in 2015 while Biden was VP. They still wanted to sell Burisma a new crypto coin. So in the middle of OPPO research season, Smirnov showed up at the FBI to feed his handler false stories to generate fake news that there was an FBI investigation into those false allegations, but forgot what he told the FBI in 2015 conflicted with his new story sure did. The OPPO researchers need to find better liars if they are planning to chat up the FBI about Trump and Biden in June of 2024. Looks like the script for the OPPO research was written after the May messaging and before his meeting with FBI handler at the end of June 2020. So after Dirk put out that press conference thing. And then before he got recalled to go talk to the Pittsburgh office and FBI about allegations, right? And that created that June 1023 form. Wonder if his crypto pal is one of the many that have been indicted for running crypto scams. Possible. Looks like FBI and DOJ didn't believe Smirnov's false allegations and closed their assessment. But they didn't close their investigation. And that's... See... Think about how many times you've heard someone complain about the dirt on the Bidens was going into Pennsylvania, and then it all got shut down and the FBI wouldn't do anything about it. Blah, 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 blah. They shut down the assessment because the assessment was completed. And then they gave the good stuff out of the assessment, the actionable stuff, to the investigation team, which was in Baltimore with Robert K. Hur
0: in Delaware with David C. Weiss. So many questions. Did the handler ignore or not
1: notice inconsistencies in Smirnoff's story? I'm presuming the handler is special agent Jonathan Buma, but haven't do- double-checked him. I don't think it is. Uh, good spot. Could totally see why people think it's Jonathan Buma, but I don't think so, because some somewhere I saw that somebody found that... Uh, Smirnoff's handling agent was out of the Seattle office. I think it was. Um, But so I don't think I don't think it was Buma. I really don't. But. It it could be, but I I don't think it is. I don't think it was a handling agent. But. I will say this. It's possible that Buma got fed a bunch of BS by Smirnoff. Um, or by somebody working for the same network as Smirnov to try and uh, further these hoaxes. Smirnov, who speaks Russian, as noted earlier, then tried to claim that the Russians recorded Hunter Biden in a Kiev hotel and that there were tapes. Of course, he had no clue that Hunter has never visited Ukraine in, purpose, in person. It's been kind of difficult to snuff that out. A lot of people keep on claiming that Hunter has been to Ukraine. Uh, but he never has. So did Smirnov make all of this up on his own for unknown reasons? Or was he getting paid to frame the Bidens? It's got to be this one. Was it the Russians? Was it Durkacz or Pinchuk? Was it the GOP establishment swamp creatures? Time and future indictments will give us those answers. Of course, it could also be the Likud mafia who wrote the script for Russian collusion in 2015 they have friends in Russia, Ukraine, the GOPE, and the DNC. Now, I kind of like that one because remember who, who his cousin is? His cousin is has dual citizenship in, in America and Israel, and is that reality TV star. Remember her that we went over in part two? What if she is his handler for Israeli, Israel?
0: And he's actually working for the Israelis who are trying to frame Biden. Now, if you're having some cognitive dissonance here as to why they would try to frame
1: Biden, everybody can understand why they would try to frame Trump, but why would they try to frame Biden? Because the same... Because Biden is on the is on the swamp draining team just like Trump is. Trump and Biden disagree on lots of things politics-wise. They don't stand for the same things. They don't have the same principles as far as politics and how the country should be run and policies and all those things. But the swamp draining has continued from Trump admin to the Biden admin. It has continued. And these people know that. They know that Biden is on Team Drain the Swamp, and AG Garland is on Team Drain the Swamp, and Christopher Ray is on Team Drain the Swamp, and so was, so, so was AG Barr, so was a bunch of other people, and so this what the swamp has to do with the establishment and their media, in uh, on both the left and the right, and the Democrats and the Republican Party. What they have to do is try to constantly convince their own audiences that the other team, the other people are try, are all swampy and they're trying to stop the swamp drum. They have to go back and forth and create this. That's the kayfabe. That's the political kayfabe. It extends all the way into stuff like this, where they're constantly trying to convince their audience that the FBI is protecting Trump. No, the FBI is protecting Biden to try and get everybody to believe the fake news stories and not realize that, and not catch on to the fact that the swamp is the one telling you those stories in the first place. That is why on this show, we are obsessed with going to documents and going to source materials. Because from the source materials, we won't get all the information that we need, but we can at least get it from
0: the original source and we can draw our own conclusions about it. So you know, I put um hey, let me grab. I want to
1: grab this. I, I've been writing recaps of these shows or like writing a little bit about what each show is about, um, each episode. And I'm really I'm enjoying doing this. I wish I would have started doing this a long time ago because it makes it where it's much easier to find what what the show is about. And recording these shows ahead of time has allowed me to do that, because after I finish the show, I then can reflect on what we covered in the show and write a little bit of a synopsis. And so on the last show, for part two, I wrote this synopsis of, of what that episode is about. And I want to point you to the questions I asked. Right here. Did the FBI get fooled by another Russian intelligence agent turned CHS, meaning Smirnov?
0: No, they didn't. They didn't get fooled by him. Did the GOP get fooled by him? Some did. Did we get fooled? Yep, to a certain degree. Is Smirnov another Danchenko? Yep. Yes, he is, or another Christopher Steele, if you prefer. Uh, either way, it's that's that's what he is, and uh,
1: I hope that puts a I hope, I hope that puts a bit of a bow on it for you guys. Um, we will continue to cover this case. We will continue to cover uh this case and filings in it, and um, looking forward to it. My next episode, I've already got it planned out. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to record it, though, and publish it, but uh, maybe Friday. But my next episode, we're going to catch up on stuff going on in Trump cases and Seth Rich. Um, that's the plan. I got it. I got it over here. Uh, so I'm going to briefly cover McGonagall's sentencing because I haven't actually done it on this show, though I have posted and talked about it a lot. Not really going to get deep into it. Just going to mention it. And we'll do Seth Rich stuff. Um, and uh, there was one other thing I was
0: going to talk about, what was it? Oh, uh Samuel Beckman Freed. So developments with that. so
1: All right, fam. thank you very much for indulging me on this, and uh going through all this stuff. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have, and uh, I hope you guys are programming yourself that you know, going through it like this way um let me know what you thought about it let me know um what you have liked about do, me doing it this way this format um and uh you know what you liked what you didn't like leave me comments i'd really appreciate some feedback on these these three parts um and you know draw your own conclusions make sure you draw your own conclusions i we none of us have all the answers but we always got to check what we believe versus what we know. And there's a lot, I think there's some things right here, where definitely for me, there were things that I believed and I thought I knew. I thought, I thought they were facts. I thought they were truth. I thought I knew certain things, specifically in regards to that, uh, that 1023 that we heard about last summer. Now I realize I didn't know, I believed. And that could change again when we get more information. Um, I still like climate and part two, what we did with climate audits thread, where he was like, man there's a lot of doppelgangers for these dates. Can't be a coincidence i I like that. like I could see this actually lining up and being substantively true, but I can also see Dawson's angles. so um, it's up to you, it's up to each of us to consider this information and arrive at our own conclusions. And in doing so, we'll have you know we can we can feel
0: like, well, that's not the right way to say it And, and you compare those things and consider them carefully,
1: um, that's what critical thinking is about, and you'll have used your own your own brain power, uh, not relied on someone else to tell you what to think, but you'll have used your own brain power to figure out what you think is most likely, and that will. That's so much. That's such a better thing to do (laughs) than uh, than what most people do, which is just let the TV man uh, tell them what to think. You know, Uh, that's one of the things I really like about I like doing this show. One of my motivations is to bust up fake news, go to source material, and try and see what we can find. And that's what I tried to do with this series. So I'd appreciate some feedback on it. Hit the thumbs up. Visit my link tree for the links. And uh, y'all have a blessed day. Remember, we're not going to win every battle. But we are going to win this war. See ya.